from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. All right. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report on Radio Andy. I'm co-founder of World of Wonder, Fenton Bailey. Joined with, uh, joined with, joined, am I joined with you, Tom? <laughs> joined by Tom Campbell, our Chief Creative Officer, James St. James, editor of the WOW Report, and a very, very, very special guest. You were supposed to be here last week, Jay. Uh, Jay Manuel. I was, I know. And then we had this crazy storm hurricane on the East Coast that just knocked out power. I was actually trapped in. Like the trees went down on my street on either side. You couldn't even drive and leave. Uh, power lines down. So, yeah, no power, no internet, no nothing. I was just cut off. What do you do when there's no internet, when there's no Twitter, <laughs> no Instagram? How, do you, how does one survive? Oh, well, um, you, you learn, you got to, well, what was crazy is in the middle of just launching a book, right. I only had, I didn't even have cell signal in the house because there were cell towers down. So I had to walk up to the road, hike around like the down trees, and I found two bars of 4G, which was like the worst way to try to communicate with people. Were you oh, with yeah. anybody or did you, could you play board games with people or were you just by yourself? Oh, no, no, no. There are people in the house, which is great. And, and one of my close friends is here as well. So, yeah, it was... Uh, well, yeah, we, electrical blackout looks very good on you. You're very chic. You're still very <laughs> you very naturally bleached blonde. It's natural, natural, <laughs> of course. And there you are sitting in the dark, but it so happens anyone watching uh, on YouTube right now will see that behind you is the cover of your debut novel, The Meltdown. Yeah. No, the, 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 the Meltdown, the wig in the, in the no, no. <laughs> well, the, the wig, the wig, the Meltdown. Exactly. It, yeah. But, you know, for hashtag purposes, we go hashtag the meltdown. But, yeah, the full title is The Wig, the Bitch, and the Meltdown. Which I, I'm taking is a is a play on The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It is, actually. <laughs> you know, no one really got that, um, which is funny. And, and it was it was something that came about when uh, I was in kind of like my final drafts, and I, I was talking with my writing mentor, and, and I had a different title for the novel. And then we had this whole discussion and we were going back and forth. And I said, I don't know. Well, I guess then it was almost, it wasn't an argument, but it was a heated discussion. And I said, okay, so it's like the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. This would be the wig, the bitch, and the wardrobe. But it's really about the meltdown. And that's how the title was born, really. I love so, it. Yeah. Wait, so I could have said, just as a format note, that we count down the top 10 things that make us go wow. And, and Jay, you are number 10. Number 10. Uh, we just got so excited. We're right into 10 right now. We're halfway through 10. 10 is better than one, by the way. It's the top of the show. It's all good. Awesome. You want to be here before everyone leaves, so you're in a good place. <laughs> awesome. Well, you know, it, 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 for me, you know, writing this this novel, it, it, it is a... It is a novel, so a lot of people are just saying, oh, well, you know, is this like a memoir or is it a Ramana Clef where you just change names? No, it's not at all. It is a work of fiction. Um, and I wanted to have a lot of fun with satire in the piece. Uh, but at the same time, you know, if for those top model fans, there are these Easter eggs baked throughout, of which I've kind of woven this fictional story around. Um, but you don't ever have had to watch the show to enjoy the piece. Um, but, but ultimately, I wanted to kind of Focus even as even though it's quite funny and meant to, you're meant to laugh out loud. I wanted to kind of hone in on some of 
kind of these key themes and tropes within the enter entertainment industry, like the cost of fame, to, uh, you know, even looking at, you know, kind of the power struggles within the entertainment industry and, and how, you know, we can all kind of apply that to the workplace, just power struggles and dynamics in the workplace. And, and really looking at, you know, how the entertainment industry deals with intersectionality and black woman's identity, because that ties into the whole, you know, lead character, which is Keisha Cash. And she's the supermodel host of Model News, which is uh, the the show within the book. <laughs> but um, yeah, well, I, I mean, to... let, let's do point that out for a second there. That it is yeah. the story about uh, a, a producer on a reality show, a fashion reality show, not unlike America's Next Top Model. It's, it's yeah. what is it called? Model Muse. Model Muse, yes. And mm -hmm. that Keisha Cash is uh, sort of akin to a character who is vaguely like Tyra Banks. And so there's someone who is like you. There's someone like who is like Tyra. There's a, yeah. there's a, a photographer who is sort of a Nigel-esque character. There's mm -hmm. a crazy supermodel who is very Dickensian. Um, uh, <laughs> so um, at what point does fact depart from fiction? Well, you know, I think that's ultimately up to the reader to decide. Um, I, I can tell you, I can tell you that, and the, you know, the, the book is a work of fiction, but I, I, when I wrote this story, I really was, I, I knew I was going against literary convention, working towards, and I won't spoil it for anyone who's not read it, in the last third of the book, I have this kind of metafictional mechanism, which does blur the line and break the fourth wall. And, and it was very deliberate. And I wanted to thrust the reader back into their own world to really kind of look and examine the relationships, you know, that they're involved in. And, and that was very, very deliberate. But, you know, you know, that yes, people are seeing kind of the parallels, you know, Pablo Michaels, who's like over my shoulder there, <laughs> you know, he's inspired by me, but he's not me. And, and these characters really did, um, take on a life of their own as I was in my several drafts because writing is rewriting, right, Mr. Yeah, Campbell? Hey, Jay, you have excellent lawyers and they have coached you beautifully. You're doing <laughs> I, well, I, I can't wait to read it and to get all of the backstage. Dish. I know it's not real. <laughs> I know once you started to write it in your own life, I get that. But what a juicy, fabulous novel. I can't wait to get my hands on it. Can I just interrupt to say that I didn't know Jay until about a year, two years ago, time flies, and we were pitching a project, and we were mm -hmm. pitching it in New York. And you know, you jump from cab, we packed them in, you go from cabs to, to lobbies of buildings and up and down. And I would say there's, you are one of two people that I've pitched with that I've pitched with many people, quote unquote, bigger names, you might say. The most excitement I ever saw on the street was you, for people for you. You oh, really? and, all, and America's Next Top Model are such part of a generation and, and people, you know, well-dressed people on their way to work, people behind the counter checking your IDs. Everybody was so excited to see you. <laughs> you took a moment with everybody. But the the energy was amazing. And that's oh, wow. a tribute to you. You really are. You know, we do RuPaul's Drag Race, and we owe so much to you. You're one of the pioneers. You're very young. You're very supple. Don't get me wrong. You're one of the <laughs> pioneers of, of the competitive, uh, you know, uh, a reality show, you know, show. So thank you. And and. In case anyone wondered, you are a living legend. So thank you for joining us. Oh my gosh! Wow, that's that it's means all true. It's all true. Oh. <laughs> thank you. 
Yeah, you know, it, it, was, it was really important to kind of tell the story, though, authentically, I felt, you know, and, and Fenton, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, you know, early on when I was kind of working on this project and, and, and the book and getting ready to take it out with my agents, um, you know, someone I really, really respect said to me, uh, hey, you know, what if we made Keisha Cash Kirsten and she was white? Uh, and I thought, hmm, you know, I really respect you, but you don't realize how powerfully racist that statement is because I don't, I didn't see anyone going to like Lauren Weissenberger saying, hmm, Miranda Priestley, what if we make her black or Latina or Chinese or, you know, you don't say that to white authors. And for me, I felt like it was really important to tell a story authentically because it didn't matter kind of what race Keisha was. People are going to still say, oh, this is inspired by Tyra. Uh, and his experience. So it's like, why not tell it authentically? And, and you know, we talk about in the literary world trying to have, you know, more inclusivity and, and why not have characters and lead characters that are big, like like a, an amazing, complex anti-hero, this black woman that we revere. But at the same time in the book, I wanted to have the 360 approach where you really get to see her vulnerabilities and her struggles. So I, I, it's just very interesting what I faced in taking the story out there initially. Well, it's interesting because um, you, I saw that you had announced it in March, and there's a, that was a very fast turnaround. How long did it take to write, well, and what was the process? Well, it was actually announced in May, in the middle of May. May. I'm sorry. Um, but I, I started writing the book. I had started outlining what I wanted to do with this project overall, uh, you know, quite a few years ago. But I started writing the novel in 2018. Um, so people think that, I don't know, because uh, the pandemic hit and people started watching Top Model and I threw a book out in eight weeks. That's not what happened. <laughs> well, that's uh, never what happens. <laughs> and actually, at the beginning of 2019, like the first kind of five, six months, I was on final drafts and and really polishing it. And, you know, and I went, I, I really isolated myself. I used to think writers were all, you know, like, oh, I need the silence and no one could interrupt me. And then I realized I became that person and I really went <laughs> hardcore and finished that off and, and delivered it to my agents early last summer. So it's, so this was in the works. It was, it's just weird timing that it came out in the middle of a pandemic and then people were yearning for nostalgia and rewatching model again. It's just really kind of like kismet. It's, it's that, but it's also, it's very great timing because there's a huge debate and awareness about, about the workplace and especially in the entertainment industry, you know, people examining the work environment, the toxicity mm -hmm. of work environments, fairness within work environments, bullying. You know, yes. it's very much, this is very much an issue that the front of, uh, is at the front of people's minds. And, and also, that, I'm sorry, but on top of that, you also have the fact that we're in a pandemic and people are yearning for something to do and to read and to be able to turn off the TV. I think it's fabulous timing to have a book out right now because everybody is wanting something juicy to, to dive into <laughs> in the summer. Well, stay with us, Jay, because we're going to keep on with the countdown. And I think number nine actually is an interesting follow on. Right, James? Number nine. Well, how did that happen? Um, I uh, watched um, the Gospel according to Andre over the weekend, mm -hmm. and I had not read—I had not read his book, *The Chiffon Trenches*. Um, but Andre is somebody who fascinates me and irritates me in equal measure. Interesting. I'm wondering, was he on the, was he on uh, judging when you were on? Did you guys get to know him? 
Oh, absolutely. I knew Andre pretty well before we before he came on to America's Next Top Model. And that was really in an attempt to kind of shift the show and help it become more kind of high fashion. I had kind of felt, if I'm going to be quite honest with you guys, the you know, America's Next Top Model, you know, a lot of the creative and there were all these hands it, it, kind of in the pot at that point. It started to like jump the shark. It got like really crazy. Then they pulled it back. They wanted to make it high fashion. Andre came on board. I knew Andre well, but then I got to know him in a very different way on Top Model. He did about four seasons. And, you know, I've, I've read The Chiffon Trenches. I got it right when it came out. And um, I I loved reading it because I, I kind of fondly remember sitting in Andre's hotel room while we were shooting the show and we were abroad in these different countries. And he would just tell story after story after story. And he's such a great storyteller and, and just so well read and so well researched. Like he is so legitimate in, in terms of like this, uh, someone who understands fashion and its history. And he fought very hard to kind of be in the position that he is in. So I enjoy reading his book. Um, and, and by the way, I have like a funny story. When we were in Morocco, we went to the House du Captain and they closed it down. And it was Andre, Miss J and myself. And Andre was like, oh, you got to have this. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was like crazy. <laughs> I came home with, you don't even know how many custom made captains and I've not worn one once. But anyway, <laughs> that's the power he has. Uh, this, this was the, the documentary that he, he did a couple of years earlier. And um, it was, it's, it's not a hard hitting uh, warts and all look at his life. It is very much told from his point of view. Mm -hmm. And it's him, you know, pontificating about the power of fashion and his childhood growing up mm -hmm. in, in, in the South. And, um, you know, his early days with Diana Vreeland, his early days working an interview with Andy Warhol, um, his crazy nights at Studio 54, his friendship with Karl Lagerfeld. And it's all, it's, 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 Andre being Andre and Andre is larger than life and there's nobody on in the world like him. And it's, it is a fascinating look. I, um, I sometimes, I sometimes struggle with him because in this, and in, in this, he, there's always a wall that you feel like you're never going to breach with him. That's always a sort of a performance aspect to what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you don't get the real story you get very close and he will edge right up to to some pain in his mm -hmm. life and then take it back and, and you go back up again and sometimes i feel that he's um for all the talk about being a big flamboyant black man he never really aligns himself with the lgbtq community mm -hmm. and he never really admits to being gay or queer or bisexual mm -hmm. or he never he keeps that private and that's fine. And everybody can do whatever they want in their lives. And, that, and I have absolutely no sure. problem. But if you are doing a documentary and an autobiography, you maybe sort of owe it to fair. go into things a little bit. I, I mean, I, like I said, I have a lot of, I, I love him. I love him. I love him. Sometimes he drives me a little crazy, but I don't know him. So I, I bow to your uh, experience. I have something profound to say. Yes. Strokes for different folks. Thank you. True, 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 true. And it's just me being Naji and, and wanting more, more, more from, from people. Okay. But you know what's interesting you say about his sexuality? You know, I, I, I did an interview kind of recently, um, and, and I'm pretty sure the journalist, he, he's a gay journalist, but 
Uh, and I just say that because I had to look into him afterwards. I'm not even going to say his name. It was very interesting. We had a great interview. He read my book. He said he loved it. He loved what I did with it. And he really did read it because we talked about some specifics throughout the book. And then um, and then wrote this piece where he kind of attacked me. And even when he was interviewing me, about. don't say his name. We're not going to say it. But he said to me in my interview, he's like, well, you've never really aligned with being a gay man. I was like, really? You really think that? <laughs> I said, I said, I don't know how many times I've presented awards at the GLAAD Awards, and I hosted the first ever broadcast of the GLAAD Awards from the Kodak Center. I mean, as a gay man, I mean, you're really saying, he's like, well, I didn't find it in my research. I'm like, well, I'm sorry you didn't find it in your research. I think that's kind of like, really? It's kind of crazy, but anyway. Okay, well, then that, that might very well be the case with what I'm talking about right now as well. I might not have been doing the right <laughs> research, but I, I um, know I'm, don't worry, I'm not coming for you. We're <laughs> talking about, and I know that the interviewer, who is a fascinating character and worthy of his own interview, because exactly. I have a tendency. I can't wait for a commercial break when you'll mention his name. He, he does have a tendency to, to give these softball interview or interview sessions, and then it turns into just a chopping block like when it comes high. out. You just yeah. you don't know yeah. what you're going to get. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about Andy Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't Andy, no. <laughs> no, no, we love Andy. No. Listen, um, I'm going to move on to number eight. Number eight. James, you were talking about, like, running out of things to watch and we're all gonna have to read books, which is a delight, but I did find a movie that came out. It's, we're now down to the thing where you're like seeking out obscure foreign movies. And this, this movie is a Russian movie. Uh, it's just been released, it's called Coma. And the story is a man awakens in a chaotic dystopian world filled with memories of comatose patients and non-existent laws of physics because the world, he, he has an accident and he goes into a coma and he wakes up in this coma imaginary world. And the world of the coma victim is this sort of universe where everything's upside down, bits of things are bolted. It's absolutely incredible. Sort of CGI, mind. It's like sort of taking, I haven't, but it would be, I imagine, like taking some kind of psychotropic drug um, where you're sort of in this very sort of MC Escher or inception type i was gonna say it sounds very inception like yeah yeah the cinematography in this piece and i've not watched it but i watched the trailer and i read all about it the cinematography is just breathtaking i mean it's it's so epic looking and cinematic um and i love that kind of idea of uh, you know they talk about this idea of you know people who couldn't cut it in the real world have to make it in this other world in this coma which I kind of love that kind of concept because, you know, you know, one of the things that, 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 you know, I, I don't know, I kind of look at it since we're talking about reality TV as well as a general like art form, I look at reality TV as the birth mother of social media in a kind of a weird way. And, and then when we look at how we're all on social media, um, you know, so we're putting out this whole kind of image of like, oh, love this, love what's not real, like this, like this, like this. Well, what are we doing to the human spirit, ultimately? And so in a weird way, I feel like there's a parallel in messaging to this film, which is they've got to kind of cut it there to kind of cut it in the real world. I don't know. I, I love that, too. The, and the, the fact that when you're in a coma, you go into this world and everyone there has a special ability. So mm -hmm. uh, as you say, it's for people who can't make it in the real world, you end up in coma world and coma world is as real as it gets and yeah. it's 
it's it's just visually so stunning. It's and it's also very Russian. You know those those Russian movies like Stalker or Solaris. They're very sort of mm. mysterious and very much about a place. And of of all the people who's in this thrust into the world, he's an architect. I mean, when was the last time you ever saw an action movie with the hero is an architect? <laughs> and um, and it has a sort of slightly Minecraft thing of, of, of sort of reapers and people are wandering around this world and and it has a nice dark side to it. I really, it's an amazing movie. And I, you know, it's one of those things, you know, you sit down to watch something and you, you're like, oh, I'll watch this, but I don't really want to. And and then you were just, it was just absolutely spectacular and amazing. Well, you've become quite the little sci-fi geek lately, I've noticed. Every every week you're, you're, you're <laughs> this is something that's a whole new side of you. I guess I just love it. I, I just love the sci-fi. Um, but it's coma. Yeah, it's on iTunes, Amazon. And this Prime, is not too. the Natalie Wood coma from 1979. Thank you. And who what, who is the cinematographer and all that? We know? They're all Russian. Um, I mean, I know that the, the hero, James, will be for you the hottest man you ever saw. I'm um, there. No idea what his name is. But he's, and what, what, where can we find it? Uh, iTunes, Amazon Prime, Voodoo, all your all your streaming, wherever movies are streamed. Which is wherever movies are streamed, yes. <laughs> all right, let's take a break. Um, Blake, have you got a question for us? I, I do, I do. Um, today is her birthday, but she's already won at life. She's a stellar actress. Her son, Charlie Ebersol, has dated Brittany. And she shares a surname with someone who's here right now. Who is it? You're listening to The Wow Report on Radio Andy with our very special guest, Jay Manuel. And we'll be right back after the break. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hey, welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton Bailey here with James and James, uh, Tom Campbell, Hi. and our super duper guest, Jay Manuel, author of The Wig, The Bitch, The Meltdown. <laughs> Blake, you had a question for us before the break. I did. Today is this woman's birthday, but she's already won at life. She's a stellar actress. Her son, Charlie, has dated Britney Spears. And she shares a surname with someone who's here right now. Who oh, is she? Oh, 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 pick me. Wait, wait, wait. I'm gonna say, I, uh, uh, I'm gonna throw out my. But first, I'm gonna say Tisha Campbell. Okay. I'm gonna answer it so everybody else wants to guess. Guess now. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm almost positive it is your favorite from Kate Nally. And McMillan and wife. Oh, my mom, Susan <laughs> St. James. Yes, I thought it was oh, okay. the sexiest thing when she was a McMillan and wife with her shag haircuts and her her little skinny body and fat. Yes. <laughs> Happy birthday, Susan St. James. That's there you go. All right, we are counting down the top ten things that made us go wow this week. We've reached number seven, Tom. Number seven. This could be number 10, this could be number one, this could be the whole show, but Kamala Harris, finally, finally, he did the right thing, he did all his vetting, Um, he announced that Kamala Harris is his running mate, 
you know, he, he mentioned a long time ago it was going to be a woman. Then he made it pretty clear it was going to be a woman of color. Uh, people have a lot of candidates. They wanted Susan Rice and many others. You know, now that it's done and the media did that weird build up thing where it's like, you know, five days, four days, three days, two days. But yeah. when it was announced, it just came over me like a warm bath. Like it just seems mm-hmm. like twice. Um, I don't think, you know, uh, we're such so divided as a country. There's going to be a huge swath of people. They're just not going to like anybody he picks. Mm-hmm. I so professional, so good. Everybody's flawed, but like, oh my gosh, if you can't see the difference between Trump and Pence and Biden and Kamala Harris, mm-hmm. they speak in full sentences. They full are sentences. Like, <laughs> they make sense. They're they're calm and collected. It's just like it is. It's like being wrapped in a warm blanket. It feels so wonderful to see. And they them have new. They have new, they have new adjectives. Things are not just great. Um, you know. I, 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 I love listening to Kamala speak, you know, like I just when you know, she's just so articulate. And, you know, I've been watching even when, um, you know, before during the debates and everything, I was watching just different interviews she was giving on CNN. And I really liked a lot of the substance she had to say. And I'm going to I'm dying to see her in a real debate. That's what I want to see now. Well, that it's her and Biden. Peeing yeah. his pants. Peeing himself. So literally. Nervous about it. Because remember yeah. what she did to Brett Kavanaugh. She had him crying. She had Bill Barr crying. She gets she, she is a tough cookie and I can't wait for it. Yeah, me as well. I, I, the picture that was floating around the internet, I don't know if you saw it, but you know, she's from Indian and Jamaican descent. Her mm-hmm. mother and her father's Jamaican. And they're the both and there's a like a black and white wedding picture of them. Yeah. And and it's just they're beautiful. She's beautiful. I don't mean to dismiss her by talking about her looks, but there is just a, she's not a fancy, you know, uh, 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 do up gal, but there's she's just not a, wearing Dr. Burke's Hermes scarves, no, but there's just something <laughs> genuine about her smile and her face and her attitude and the clearness of her eyes. She just makes me feel good. And I love her, her, uh, you know, a lot of her policies and listen, I, I have to believe, you know, you can't, you know, great, leaders have come into office uh, and and react to the to, to, to the opportunities and the crises of the day. You know, Lincoln didn't get into office to free the slaves. You know, Kennedy, you know, everybody, there's... The, there's you your, rise to the occasion. You rise mm-hmm. to the occasion. And these two are so smart and so balanced and will, you know, surround themselves with people who make sense, who have science, and I have no fear. And, I, and I'm trying very hard, Fenton, to do to walk away from my Trump bashing posts, which I did about nine or 10 a day. Jay, you're lucky we're not on Facebook. <laughs> and I kept them on Facebook. But I just, and, and this morning I pitched, I posted a picture of Biden and and, 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 and Kamala hugging. I just put, good morning, America. Like, there's something to root for now. It feels mm-hmm. like it's there. Let's yeah. go. That is so true. We've become addicted to, it is, it's like addiction, isn't it? Bashing Trump. You know, even yeah. even sort of, I fixated on the fact that Trump called her nasty, and and it's like I just don't want to feel in terms of Trump. Fuck Trump. You know, it's like, but yes, you know, yes, Cam. We, we already have- see the Republicans start up the machine, and their birtherism 2.0 is all in full swing, saying that mm-hmm. she really, you know, she's their anchor baby. She can't be vice president. There's, you know, we, my, like anyone cares about my Facebook thing, but I think we should stop amplifying those messages and start amplifying because there's something great about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and and their virtues and their beliefs and how this country needs them. 
That's right. And it's just, I think, 80 days till the election or something around that. Number yes, four. really close. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's move on to number six. Number six. Number six, uh, a book that I've been reading um, for a, a few weeks now. It's called uh, What Would Mrs. Astor Do? And it's from 2018. <laughs> what? Did you write it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, it's uh, by a woman named Cecilia Tichy. And it's about, um, you know, the Mrs. Astor during the Gilded Age of New York from 1880 mm. to about 1915. And she was a social arbiter of the era. And she ruled with an iron fist. And she famously had a ballroom that fit exactly 400 people. No more. Not one person more. This was in her Fifth Avenue mansion where um, the Empire State Building is now. Mm -hmm. And so every year, she and her friend Ward McAllister would come up with this list of the 400 people in New York who were the, the cream of the crop and the richest and the most fabulous and this and that. And if you were not part of that 400, by God, you better move to Wyoming because you were socially dead in Manhattan. So this is a book about Mrs. Astor and about the 400. And it is mostly just a bunch of lists, which I love. It is actual menus from Delmonico's, actual oh, menus wow. from dinner parties that were thrown by the, you know, the, uh, the Vanderbilts and the, the Rockefellers. It is detailed lists of what your servants would wear during the daytime, what they would wear during the nighttime, what you would be wearing, where you were allowed to shop, where you, you know, um, summered in Newport, where you could go, the restaurants in New, it is like a time capsule look at everything that the, that the wealthy, the 1% were doing in 1890 and mm -hmm. the clubs that the men, the men's club, the women, the ladies auxiliary clubs, details about the, the, the rooms and everything. It's just fascinating if you like the minutia of the 1%, which I do. I love it. And so it's, um, like I said, it's, um, there's like lists of wine, like like the types of wines that were served, like the clarets and the, the ports. And everything. It's, it's just fascinating. And I know I'm the only person, Jay, maybe someday we... I'll send it to you, and we can have a little. Oh my God, we could we could totally we could totally talk about that, James. Because I I mean I love and I know we're we're running long, but I'll just say that it's like when Martin Scorsese did The Age of Innocence, it was kind of of the same era, and he focused on all of those details and the minutia in a way that was just brilliant. Uh, but yeah, I, I I'm curious. I haven't heard. I haven't read this. It's it is. They just ate so much food. The menus went on. Yes, on it. You would have you would have. You'd have your soup, and then you'd have your, you know, um, it'd be turtle soup, and then you'd have steak, and then you'd have chicken, and then you'd have um, dove, and then you'd have, like, you kept having, like, eight or nine pork, you know, th and uh, the, the silverware was, you know, you had to be perfect. You had your, you know, your oyster mm -hmm. forks and your... Do you know what their secret was? Portions. Well, corsets. Oh, portions, yes. <laughs> a portion control. Yeah, and, and a shake for breakfast and a shake for lunch and then just portion control. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think so a, book, a book like that is probably exciting because people love Downton Abbey and all of that kind of world. But sorry, Fenton, go ahead. Sorry. Does it have pictures? Uh, you know, it has sort of engravings from the time. Not many pictures. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's what would Mrs. Astor do? You can get it on Amazon. Okay. Number five. Number five. It's sort of related, but in a slightly different spaces. 
it's a sort of trend alert. Um, I read this article uh, on NPR about cottage core. Mm. Cottage core. Wow. Um, cottage core is like, it's like, well, it's supposed to be the perfect antidote to doom scrolling. So, you know, like you're sitting on Facebook going through the sort of Trump awful oh, news. Okay, okay. <laughs> cottage core is our salvation. And it's, but the article was sort of inspired by Taylor Swift's new album, which the black and white cover, the mossy piano, and cottage core things are like sourdough bread starter, mm-hmm. foraging for mushrooms. Yeah. Knitting, you know, all that malarkey. You do in a cottage? I don't understand. <laughs> not cottaging, James. No, it's not. It's 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 about. It's Wait, I don't life. understand. Wait, what is it called then? It's 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 about the imagery and what it and the feeling that it evokes. Right? Is that what yeah. it is? Yeah, cozy, yeah. comfort, modest. Rustic. It's not Rustic. what Mrs. Asper would do. It's Mrs. But Asper isn't cottaging? Do. Isn't that a British slang for when you go into bathrooms and have sex with men? It is, James. I thought you knew. That's, what, no, that's what I was that. all excited for. Cottage, cottage core. Not cottage core. Bathrooms. Not cottage core. Wait, I'm not understanding any of this. You're thinking cottage whore, which might describe <laughs> you. No, it's cottage cottage whore. Core. Cottage core. And it's it's the opposite. It's okay. Here's an example, James. Mary Antoinette, during the height of Versailles, she built herself a little farmhouse. Where the she the Petit Trianon. Yes. And so it can be a little bit um, tone deaf, I suppose, to the times, you know. Um, but it's supposed to be, you know, because meditative isolation of, of the pandemic is a sort of, is basically a privileged narrative, right? Yes, farm. So Marie Antoinette had a she shed? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to down for people like me. <laughs> she had a lovely little. It was called the Queen's Hamlet, which yeah, I get. I've been there. And did you? Oh yeah, is it good? Yeah, I dressed up as a little in, in my little Bo Peep outfit and, and sort of traipsed around the garden. Mm. You might. <laughs> there are subgenres, by the way. There is cottage core lesbians. And it's also cottage gore. I don't know what either of them are, but, you know. <laughs> I feel hashtag. Old. Oh, look. Okay, we've got to take a break, but i just got to remind you, we're one week away from RuPaul's Drag Race Vegas Review. I cannot um, wait for that to start, guys. Can I just tell you? I cannot wait. Fenton, you know yeah, I texted but- you. I mean, like, I need my fix. I tell you, it's really good. It's all in <laughs> Vegas. Um, and you can also, that's so, that's Friday 8 p.m. on VH1. And then uh, Canada's Drag Race is continuing on Thursday. So you can have a sort of double night experience. Um, we and and we have the trailer for the for the um, Vegas show on, on the WOW Report right now. Yes, that's right. It's a docu-series right. anyway. Yes. That's right. It's a docu-series of the making of the live experience in Vegas at the Flamingo, currently closed because of the pandemic, but it will be returning. Awesome. Yeah, he's like, oh. Well, I've got a question, and it kind of coincides with Canada's Drag Race. This week on Canada's Drag Race, they're welcoming Michelle Dewberry. She's one of the world's oldest performing drag queens. Coincidentally, Today is the birthday of the oldest performing drag queen. She uh, calls New York home, but she's a globetrotter. She's originally born 
in the Appalachian, the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. Who is she? That Lady Bunny, obviously, the oldest living performing drag queen. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> right. You're listening to The Wow Report on Radio Andy, and we'll have the answer for you when we're right back after the break. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hi, welcome back to The Wow Report. We're counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow. James and James, Tom Campbell, and our super duper special guest, literary sensation, host of America's Next Top Model, Jay Manuel. Hey guys. Yeah. Uh, Blake, what was the question? I uh, asked this week we have on Canada's drag race, Michelle Dewberry, who is one of the oldest performing drag queens in the world. But today is also the birthday of the oldest drag queen in the world. It was born in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. Who is she? It has got to be Lady Bunny. Did, did Fenton blow it by telling Lady Bunny? Fenton did blow it by saying Lady Bunny. <laughs> I, can't believe, I can't believe it really. You're kidding. Oh, God. It's her 895th birthday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's carry on with the countdown. Um, we've reached number four. Number four. Speaking of oldest drag queen on the earth, uh, I watch a lot of Turner Classic movies, but more, now this month more than ever because it's August Under the Stars. Now, I bring this up like everybody watches. It's probably just me. But every day they feature a marathon, an all-day marathon of one artist. Mm-hmm. During the week, but I did spend August 1st when it first broke. My birthday! Watching, watching Happy Birthday. Watching Barbara Stanwyck kill several men from <laughs> 7 a.m. to 2 p.m., and then she played various roles the rest of the day. There was Sunday was Rock Hudson Day this August second, and just seeing Rock in all of the different movies, <laughs> Wyman, and Doris Day, and there's something where it's set in Alaska. It's about, it's a Russian drama, Zebra Ice Zebra, oh, something. Zebra Ice House Nine or something like that. Yeah, yeah. and Ernest Frankenheimer. I, I just get absorbed. This past weekend, I watched almost uh, 24 hours of Goldie Hawn movies. I was just going to say. I was just going to say. I did have foul play on DVR. I have, it uh, seems like old times. There's one that I didn't, I'd never seen before. Um, it was 92. And I can't, I, it was, it protocol, was one of, Protocol? Maybe. I can't remember. It's, they that didn't have. Yeah, that's why I know. They didn't have, um, uh, what's the one with Meryl Streep? Um, that becomes her. Which, by the way, is 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 like one of the most epic movies ever. Anyway, it is. To say. Death it's becomes so her. Everything. I it's, watched um, Cactus Flower and um, the, that the other one with the um, Butterflies Are Free. Butterflies Are Free. I watched mm. both of those. Yes, I had never seen Butterflies Are Free. I'd never seen. Yeah, it was Edward Albert. Yes, but I John Law, John Philip Law was such a he was he was the blind boy. He was just. Edward Albert was. Oh, are you sure? <laughs> Eddie Albert's son, Edward Albert. Oh. Maybe he was in the play. Huh, okay. But it's no, real. I, um, so I guess take all that out. But anyway, f- Butterflies are Free and Cactus Flower. Yes, I yes. revelations. And this weekend, I'm looking forward. It's I don't know how to say it, so help me, Jane. It's neat. It's a day because they're really stuck. They're not stretching, but, you know, they've done all the, like, Doris Days. And so they're really trying to yeah. open up. And Nina Foch. I love Nina Foch, yes. On Saturday, all Nina Foch. 
Yes, yes, she was very glamorous, wasn't she? Yeah, but I, like that's not a name that's a household name anymore. So I, I look mm. for it. I go deep. I go into my Wikipedia. I do all didn't my. She have, didn't she have a, a hotel here in in L.A. for many years? I, I haven't. Have Beverly Garland. Started to uh, Google. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. And then Cary Grant on Sunday. I um. I don't know what it is. I'm just. I've surrendered to Turner Classic Movies. I just turn my will and my life over to <laughs> I did I pick an old lace on, on that one I, I yeah, hadn't seen I that in 20 years but if you know if you if, you know if you want to take a break from sci-fi Fenton there's a, there's a, a world of old musty <laughs> movies waiting for you. <laughs> fantastic all right uh, we'll post a link to all the programming for TCM's pro uh, summer under the stars that's on the wow report number three. Number three. Well, I don't know quite how to approach this one because um, I I don't know how far into it I can go. Because over the weekend, I stayed at a hotel here in Hollywood. And um, I it was it, it's a very glamorous hotel. And it's, it was, it's a very chic sort of boutique hotel. And I don't know whether I should give the name because I'm going to talk about how what a terrible experience I had. Um, oh, you I'm have just, to give us the name now. Well, well or him. maybe that's a trivia question for the next commercial break. <laughs> there you go. Why well, did you stay in a hotel, James? Start there. Because the building, my building was being fumigated, and so everybody had to leave. And I just, they were going to put us up somewhere, and I went to, I went to a, a hotel rather than the right. hotel. Mm-hmm. I would think that you would take advantage of the fumigation and stay in and just and get high. Yes. Yeah. Well, when you come back, they tell you not to come back for like five, eight hours or something. I came back at six so I could spend a little time in in dreamland um <laughs> dreamland but anyway so i went to this hotel and the lobby was a scene it was like 20 somethings really fabulously dressed everyone in gucci and louis vuitton masks and yeah and we're just gonna say in the middle of covid that's what I'm, that, that's what i'm getting at right here because oh. it was wall-to-wall people in the lobby which right off is, is making me nervous it's all young fashiony sort of um music people it seemed like sort of a hip-hop crowd a little bit um they had three restaurants none of the there was it was lines to get in the restaurants when you got in it would people were smashed together and of course nobody was wearing masks there the people were indoors outdoors it was i went up to the rooftop pool where yeah. there are cabanas and a restaurant up there nobody was wearing masks up there in the pools or anything. And there was literally about a thousand people crammed up on the, the roof and not wall to wall in the cabanas, $700 for a bottle of gray goose, which is just right there. Like what the fuck? Mm. But it was weird to me to see people out partying and having a good time. 24 hours. This, this hotel never slowed down for a minute. Four o'clock in the morning, I got up and the, I could hear in the hallway people racing up and down the hallway. It was like I was this old queen, like, what are you people doing? Go to bed. Get away from me. You're making me sick. No, no, no. I was like furious that this was going on. And it made I me. Kind of, I kind of feel like people have like just gotten so sick of 
COVID-19 and coronavirus. They're like, oh, screw it. I'm going out. I'm going to do whatever I want. And I mean, it, and, and I mean, I don't know who's more douchey, the ones not wearing the masks or the ones wearing like the Chanel Louis Vuitton logoed masks. I don't know which one's more douchey. We get pulled down so their nose is out. Yeah. I'm just, like, yeah. yeah I don't know. It, it's it's, it's just kind of crazy that people are, 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 they're just not taking it seriously anymore. And everyone's just over it because of their egos and they feel like they just need to be out. And, and you I, can't yeah. tell me what to do. I, oh, you know, no. And I get that. I mean, on the other hand, though, I imagine if I was 21 and I had been going out every night for three years, like I, you know, what, and from all of a sudden it just came to an end. I would be sitting in, at home going bananas. You know, I mean, thank God I'm 54 now and I don't need to go and out every you. night like and I used to. But I imagine at 21, I probably would have been one of those people. Two questions and we can move on. One, James. Uh, for an overnight stay at a hotel, how many trunks do you pack? <laughs> <laughs> I did pack a couple caftans and a couple a couple little outfits, but then I never went out in them. I just spun around the room. And second, perfect segue, what was the room like? The room is actually really adorable. All the rooms, because I've stayed there a couple times now, and the rooms, it's, it is it's small and boutique-y, and the showers are just to die for. Oh, oh. Gotta come in that tower. <laughs> like you can, it sounds like you can name the hotel based on that because it sounds like the clients weren't observing social distancing, but the hotel well, itself was fine. When I tell you that it's floor to ceiling windows and that everybody um, stands naked in the windows, all the exhibitionists, do you know the hotel mm. I'm talking about now? In New York, that would be the standard. Down. The standard, yeah, uh, New York, yeah. But they, um, I don't know if the story is real, James, or just <laughs> a dream. <laughs> a pest control, yeah, a, a bug fumigated dream. <laughs> As I've been sniffing my raid, my can of raid. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Number two, mystery seeds from China. Have you guys heard about this? Yes, a little bit. I tried to ignore it. Now tell me all about it. People have been receiving unsolicited mystery packets of mystery seeds that come from China. And I think something like 9,000 people have received them so far. Someone is sending packets of seeds from China and, and they think maybe it's an, an attempt to some sort of eco-sabotaging to introduce some kind of vagrant oh. weed that runs amok or some sort of smuggling, some sort of deathly beetle in the seeds. But no one quite knows what the fuck is going on. And it's are, just, are we supposed to plant them when we receive them? Is that what we're supposed to do? Like they think Americans will just go, oh, these just seeds were polite. Oh, just to plant the seeds. Oh, what would Mary Astor do? <laughs> Mary, Mary Astor, that was the star of Old Maid with Betty Davis. <laughs> now that we're in this cottage core period, get, receiving a packet of seeds, yes, you are going to go plant them because that's what you do in cottage core. You go. Take out, the, you go garden, you plant your weeds, you bake your sourdough bread. Question. <laughs> in, this, in this age where there's a new conspiracy theory every three hours and my head's about to explode, has anyone done like research or sent these to a lab? Is there any, any of that kind of follow-up? Are we just sort of another thing to panic about? Actual research, it would appear not, no. 
It's been out, right? It's Kamala Harris and Biden are sending seeds around. But it does sort of sound like it it is sort of like an insidious plot. Like, you know, I mean, you know how in the Mm. South, I grew up in Florida, in kudzu, it was a plant that was, you know, it it introduced in like the 60s. And now it has literally taken over the entire uh, state. And I'm wondering if there is some sort of weird plot to, you know, take down cities or something by introducing things that are not supposed to be there. What if the plant comes in peace and it's meant to (laughs) love one another? Mm. Or it could just be a viral, someone is trying to get a a bunch of hits on on Instagram and uh, it's just some sort of viral superstar in China sending it out. It's a a promotional campaign for uh, Red Bull. It's crazy. (laughs) Right. There you go. Well, you're going to have to watch you this you track the demon seeds from China, which sounds racist, so I'm not going to say that. But Did you that is that how this started? What? Seeds. Yes. Seeds. What you do you mean? Them? Somebody sent them to you? What? No, I never received the seeds. No. Oh, okay. Lots of other people have. I thought you might have received some seeds. I got some seeds the other night. I was just going to say, this could go wrong real quick, real quick. All right, let's take a break. Uh, Get your person, man, woman, November vote T-shirt for sale. It's now in the WOW online store. 100% of the proceeds go to the National Coalition on Black Civil Participation. And you can get that at store.worldofwonder.net. All right, when we come back, we'll reveal the number one thing that made us go wow this week. I, I have one more question. Oh, okay. We usually don't do this, but... And we usually don't answer them before the commercial event, just in case you want yeah, to... Yeah, Ben. I thought that was a joke. I just didn't think that could possibly be the answer. <laughs> one more birthday. This American-Canadian TV host and makeup artist, who is now an author, was born on this day sometime in the 70s. Um, he originally wanted to become an opera singer, but when this fell through, he went with his second favorite, fashion. Who is it? Mm-hmm. You're listening to The Wow Report on Radio Andy. We'll have the answer right when we come back. You're listening to World of Wonders, Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. All right, welcome back to The Wow Report. I'm Fenton, here with James and Tom, and our very special guest, author of the new, soon-to-be enormous bestseller, The Sizzlingly Hot, The Wig, The Bitch, and The Meltdown. So hot, it should have been printed on asbestos. (laughs) (laughs) There's your word for the back jacket. (laughs) Now, what was the question, and what is the answer? Um, It's this person's birthday. It's an American Canadian TV host and makeup artist who is now an author and he was born on this day sometime in the 70s. He originally was going to be an opera singer, but he went with his second favorite fashion. Who is he? Jay, I'm giving this one up to you. Who is it? <laughs> yes, it was. My, it's my birthday. Oh! Yes. <laughs> Yeah, turn the big four eight. Yes, that much closer to fifty. Your years away. All gravy after forty-five, baby. It's all (laughs) okay. Awesome. Thank you. All right, we've reached number one. What is number one? Number one. 
Um, well, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, Outfest this year, which is uh, um, different than it's been in any other year. It's all digital this year, as so many of the festivals are. And what is Outfest, James? What is Outfest? It's the LGBTQ, the long stand, long running LGBTQ uh, movie festival that um, introduces a lot of the the shows that we've come to love over the years. Um, this year, we have. A couple, or we had one thing in it, right? World of Wonder has something in it. We do. We have Frida Got a Gun, uh, a documentary um, with bounce legend Big Frida, um, all about the epidemic of U.S. gun violence, but especially focused on New Orleans, where Big Frida's brother was tragically shot and killed a few years ago. And this Big Frida wanted to really drill down and understand what it is about guns and, and why it's, it seems to be so out of control and such an unresolvable problem. And Chris McKim directed the movie. The yeah, long-time Wild well, Liberty, Chris McKim. We also had another Wild well, Liberty who uh, had a movie, has a movie in it this year, um, Michael Seligman, who is a long-time director and friend of ours. And he has something called Burn This Letter, Please, um, mm. which is a documentary. He told me about it two years ago when he first started doing it. And it is so fascinating. He found, he and his friend Jennifer Teixeira, Teixeira, I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, there was a, a storage locker, a storage unit. And in the storage unit was a box of letters and um, uh, photos from of drag queens from the 1950s who would write back and forth to each other and um, in character, Miss Thing, Miss Honey, Miss Honey Child, blah, blah, blah. And there was, there's um, uh, uh, home movies and it, it's this group of, of drag queens. And at the end of every letter, they'd say, please burn this letter after you read it because it was, of course, this pre-Stonewall and it was very mm. it was, it was dangerous for them to actually live this life. And Michael and Jennifer um, track down these people that the, the, they, they go through the years. It takes them years to find out who they were. Some of them have passed away. Some of them are still around. Um, and it's, it's a beautiful portrait of Queens being Queens, no matter what decade it is, mm. no matter what era it is, because there's something universal about a drag queen, but also the, the fact that it was so dangerous to, to live that way during that time. It is it's wow. it's endless, right? The, the 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 similarities between the spirit and the yes. The there is a Miss Trixie. There is a you know. We, know. we all grow up with straight people. We don't know each other. We just all come out this way. What is it? <laughs> oh my God! There's even the Lady Bunny. <laughs> there is. Exactly. <laughs> it's usually such a great uh, meet, greet, fun place to hang mm. out. The lobby's always happening. This year is it all virtual? It is. It is just like you know. Um, so many of the other um, uh, festivals, festivals and yeah. probably will be for the next year. And also, I just have to say, Andrea James, who contributes to the WOW Report, she directed a film that's also at the festival. Um, it's called And Becoming a Man in 127 Easy Steps. And it's really great because I know both Chris and Andrea were um, – they had uh, tried to be into the Toronto festival and then that whole festival sort of fell through a little bit at the mm -hmm. last minute. So it's nice that they're able to get people to see their films and they're all important films to see. Appreciate everybody who's keeping things as normal, you know, keeping things going festivals and things, even in this mm -hmm. very difficult time, it sounds like it's easy. It's not, it's a lot of work. So 
good for yeah. the outdoors people. Yeah, Jay, how do you promote a book, you know, during your time? <laughs> yeah. With no electricity. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't have an electricity for a few days, but um, yeah, it is an interesting time. And I, I was, you know, it, it, I'm glad to see that festivals are still happening and they're getting out there and, you know, announcing a book and, and doing a book tour from, from your office. You know, it's just, a, it's crazy because you're doing everything yourself. You're connecting via Zoom. And I think what you have to do is just kind of remember the spirit and the intention behind your work and just, get, you know, get out there as much as you can, obviously. I mean, it's, it, but it's, it's, it is a difficult time, but Art will, will, will push through. I'm having, yes, a psychic, I'm having a psychic prediction in one, no, two years, debuting at the Outfest will be the movie, The Meltdown. Emmanuel. <laughs> <laughs> But wait, I do want to wonder if maybe there will be a part two of your publicity bit blitz once the pandemic is over and you can go out and actually do readings again and everything. I have a feeling that you will be doing for you've got three years ahead of you that you can still be pushing <laughs> this book. Fingers uh, crossed. The famous Jacqueline Suzanne, who wrote Valley of the Dolls, uh -huh. she and her husband put books in the trunk of their car and they would drive town to town and get on local radio stations. They'd buy books out of like record out of bookstores. They would go to number one in that area, and then they would get on radio. And they, they, would, they, would, they would do all the truck stops too. They were famous for going from truck stop to truck stop that's up and right. down the highway. They invented the press tour. So if worse comes to worse, just load up your trunk with books and start driving. Come, come and Jay, I, I have I a, I have a, a tip for you. Here's yes. something that the, uh, first time authors need to know is that once you sign a copy of your book at a bookstore, that means they can't send it back. I did learn, I do know that. Yeah, yes. I do so know you that. go, so whenever you see a bookstore, you pull over, you walk in and you ask to sign every copy there and then it will be there three years from now. <laughs> That's not a book, James, it will sell out immediately. That's, <laughs> That's why there's like 60 books at Book Soup from you, James. I know <laughs> it's true, it's true. Jay, thank you so much for joining us. It's been thank lovely you. having you, and good luck with the book and the movie that will follow. Who's going to pay you? Who will play you in the movie? You know, it's, I I never thought of someone playing me or this going into the movies. I had always thought of like other characters I had in my mind, but someone asked me recently, uh, just the other day, who would I want to play me? And I never thought of that. But but the first person who came to mind was Riz Ahmed. Because I just love how he could carry this arc, this emotional arc for this character. I, I just love what he did in the night of. I love him. I love him as an actor. So I don't know. I so would congratulate Lawrence to play you, Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> okay. I can see that. That'd be great. <laughs> congratulations. Uh, thanks for tuning into the Wow Report on Radio Andy. You can listen to previous episodes on our YouTube channel, Wow Presents Plus. And we'll see you same time, same place next week. Until then, go out, wear a mask, and do something that makes the world go wow. wow. <laughs>